We are a podcast. We are a podcast. No time for YouTube, cause we are a podcast on Spotify. That's our new intro. And welcome to Navi Tales. It's our new intro theme. I'm Josh. I'm Nick. And today we are doing Vault Tech. Yeah. Uh, knowing that Fallout 76 should have just come out at the time of this release. Um, Calendars and things. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I think it came out like yesterday or the day before. So, so yeah, we decided to do some Fallout. But because yeah, this one's called 76 based on the vault that it's coming out of, we figured we'd do vaults. So let's begin with what a vault is exactly for the uninitiated. A vault is a type of subterranean installation initially designed by the Vault Tech Corporation, later constructed in collaboration with Robco Industries. Officially, they were designed for the sole purpose of sheltering up to 1,000 citizens per uh, vault in the event of a nuclear holocaust. However, in reality, they were a series of secret experiments orchestrated by the United States government. These experiments can range from kind of funny meme to dark and depressing. The vaults were commissioned by the U.S. government in 2054 as part of Project Safe House, also known as the Societal Preservation Program. The Vault Tech Corporation constructed 122 vaults across the country. However, at the onset of the Great War in 2077... Which we talked about in our first Fallout timeline episode. Check it out if you haven't heard. Plug. Most vaults were sealed without many of their intended inhabitants as a result of the cry-wolf effect that previous training drills had on the populace. Basically, no one believed vault until the bomb actually fell. So the first vault was constructed beneath Los Angeles and was intended to demonstrate the viability of such facility. Unlike subsequent installations, this demonstration vault was not part of the ulterior experiments behind Project Safehouse. By 2063, most of the vaults had finished construction, with the exception of 1376, 114, 118, and 88. Vault 112 is the last known construction on record completed in June of 2074. The vaults were some of the most expensive shelters in the pre-war world. According to the Vault Dweller's Survival Guide for Vault 13, otherwise known as the Fallout Manual, the intended budget for that particular installation was $400 billion, and by the end of its construction, it reached $654 billion, although it should be mentioned that the prices in the Fallout setting are highly inflated. In Fallout Tactics, there are gas station signs listing regular gas at $1,400 $50.99. And there are advertisements for vehicles in Fallout 3 loading screen slides for only $1 million. Yeah, it's inflation hit America hard, apparently. Yeah. Come on down to, uh, to Joe's... Joe's discount vehicles. Joe's discount vehicles for $1 million. I was, the low, low price of $1 million. I was looking at super expensive cars the other day. And I was looking at like a $2 million McLaren F1. And I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? Hey, I can't even fit in that car. I'm six foot, 250 pounds. That car would hit the ground fast. B, this is never a reality for me. Why am I torturing myself? Yeah, why am I? I was watching like Top Gear race it and shit. I was like, I really want a McLaren. And I was like, oh, wait, I can barely afford a Honda CRV. I'm going to go fast. The vaults were located in various locations, and little information is available as to why those particular sites were chosen. 
Each vault was designed to hold 1,000 occupants at any given time. Although hot bunking was required at maximum capacity and equipped with all the facilities and supplies needed by them to survive in isolation for the designated time. According to the Vault 101 PA system, the life support system could work for over 900 years without failure, and the odds of uh, Vault failing were 1,763,497 to 1. Except it seems to always fail, yeah. <laughs> because that's the reason you leave half the time. Uh, it would, actually, a lot of times it fails due to the experiment having been done on it, but whatever. In addition... The PA system also stated that the average life expectancy in a properly maintained vault is 92.3 years. The facilities and supplies for Vault 13 included complete construction equipment, hydro-agricultural farms, a water purification system, defensive weaponry to equip 10 people, communication systems, and surface monitors, social, and entertainment files for total duration. Waste management was conducted by burning trash on scheduled burning days. Larger incinerator receptacles were used for the destruction of human corpses. In addition, some vaults received one or two gecks, intended to help the inhabitants create a viable civilization in the post-nuclear world after the all-clear signal is sent. Gex stands for Garden of Eden Creation Kit and could be used to terraform literally any environment. Which I'm not sure why vault Tech didn't capitalize on that more. Because it literally terraforms radiated wastelands. Gex are cool. Also, fun fact. The mod tools for Fallout, because like uh, all the games have official mod tools, the mod tools for Fallout are called Gek. Garden dope. of Eden Creation. That's dope. Okay, yeah. So I, I actually have mods for Fallout, th Fallout New Vegas that I made. Uh, and so I got real familiar with Gek. Basically, I wanted a Yao Guai as a companion, and no one would let me. So I made one. <laughs> now I have one. So if you want an irradiated bear, I'm sure I still have the file somewhere on a hard drive. Different types of power sources were utilized for the vaults. Vault 13 relied primarily on geothermal energy with backup power available from a general atomics nuclear power generator. Enough to sustain the vault for 200 years. Vault 8, on the other hand, relied on an inefficient nuclear reactor, which, while enough for Vault City to emerge, could only support a relatively small, highly advanced settlement, and in 2241 was nearing its capacity, after which further growth would be impossible. So it's been said that secret experiments were being practiced, so let's talk a little bit about that, because that's where these vaults get interesting. Officially, the vaults were nuclear shelters designed to protect the American population from nuclear holocaust. However, with a population of almost 400 million by 2077, which is fucking insane, yeah, dude. Uh, the U.S. would need nearly 400,000 vaults the size of Vault 13, while Vault Tech was commissioned to build only 122. The government and Vault Tech never really believed an actual nuclear war would occur. The real reason for the existence of these vaults was to run social experiments on pre-selected segments of the population to see how they reacted to the stresses of isolation and how successfully they recolonize Earth after the vaults open. The total number of vaults is a government secret and has been lost. There were the aforementioned public vaults, which numbered 122, and an undisclosed private number uh, of vaults. Information on whether Vault Tech was an international corporation or strictly U.S.-based cannot be released due to the Vault Tech and United States federal regulations. That said, 
vault tech seems to have constructed some vault in Canada. In a letter sent to a rejected DC citizen, the company offered to provide a list of vault tech facilities with available accommodations in exciting locales such as Oklahoma and newly annexed Canada. That's where things get a little confusing because Canada was annexed in the fall in the Fallout universe. So, um, is it technically a part of America? No, but it got annexed. So it's one of those things where like we forced ourselves into Canada because uh, the war front was in Alaska and Canada wouldn't let us pass through. So we just forced our way in. <laughs> yeah, I don't like America very much in the Fallout universe. I'm not feeling particularly patriotic about it. Canada's sweet. Yeah. I, was, I was almost Canadian. <laughs> I have a soft spot. Of the 122 known public vaults, only 17 were control, meaning that only 17 were made to public expectations. All others were designed to include a social experiment, sometimes with a select few of the inhabitants observing the occupants. While some vaults had noble goals, such as to eradicate disease, Vault 81, or improve the human genome, Vault 75, they had incredibly unethical methods of doing so, often exposing their inhabitants, often fatally, to some danger specific to certain vaults to research the effect. The few vaults that survived intact for more than 80 years came to serve another unanticipated purpose. They were an excellent source of pure human stock, uncontaminated by the mutated airborne strain of FEV and prime candidates for conversion into super mutants. The true nature of the vaults epitomized the insidious nature of the government at its most callous, a running theme in Fallout that the American government was unconcerned with the well-being of its people, even in absolute crisis. The innumerable loss of life caused by making so few vaults and their intended use as social experiments and toying with what little remained of the American population highlights this. Worse, if the Enclave met setbacks, failed, or were rendered incapable of recolonizing the world, it appears that there was no backup plan to utilize the vaults to replenish humanity. Yeah, sometime we will do an episode on uh, the Enclave, because the Enclave is the remnants of the American government that are all on a version of the vault in the middle of a vault in the middle of the ocean, um, and believe that they are the... Still in charge, A, <laughs> in the Fallout universe. They believe, we still got this. They believe they're still in charge. Um, they have a computer backup of the president's mind, of, of the president's mind that was president during the war. So he's still the president. Um, which, uh, fun fact, Fallout, the Bethesda tried to get Bill Clinton to voice the president in Fallout 3. That's Because you meet the president in Fallout 3. Uh, and it's obviously making fun of Bill Clinton's voice, but they tried to get the actual Bill Clinton to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of fucking awesome. Yeah, I wish he had. Great. <laughs> um, I wish so too. But uh, they, uh, yeah, they also believe that they are the ones that are going to be responsible for repopulating the earth because they are the best of the best in America. It's this weird thing. Enclave are like dangerous. Like they. Like, you've played a little bit of Fallout 4. Yeah. You know how the Brotherhood of Steel comes into the wasteland like a bat out of hell bursting shit up? Right, right. Right. That's the Enclave, except have more access to technology than even the Brotherhood of Steel does. Because they have all the original technology from America before it fell. Right, right. So, yeah, the, we'll do an episode talking about the Enclave and the Brotherhood of Steel. 
I think that those are a good group to mix up because in Fallout 3, they go to war. Because God damn it, you you don't go to war with the Brotherhood of Steel. Um, we need more war. Yeah, it sucks that they're racist again. I um I really like the Brotherhood of Steel. It's just they're kind of racist. Um, and if you disagree with me, that's fine. Uh, in terms of providing safety and security for their inhabitants, most of the vaults were complete failures. However, as noted in the Penny Arcade comic, which are weirdly canon, I think. I, I actually am fairly certain the Penny Arcade comics for, for Fallout are considered canon, but Van Buren isn't. I don't know. I really, again, doing my research for this, um, what is and isn't canon in the Fallout universe is speculatory. Like, obviously, Tactics 2, 3, 4, and New Vegas are all canon, but... It's all the other little tidbits that aren't or are. Regardless, the vaults were never truly intended to save anyone. There was simply not enough time, money, or resources to build enough shelters to house more than a fraction of the population. While the control vaults did function as advertised and opened on schedule, most of the vaults were actually intended to explore and observe how society succeeded or failed to adapt in response to various challenges and restrictions. These social experiments were conducted on live, largely unaware subjects, monitored by vault tech researchers in several separate facilities, and undertaken at the behest of the future Enclave as part of a massive feasibility study of how to best resettle a devastated Earth or, if necessary, colonize another planet. Most of the vaults seen in the games were non-viable 200 or even a mere 80 years after the war. While Vault 13 might not have lasted until its scheduled opening date of 2277, the unplanned failure of the water chip forced the Overseer's hand and set subsequent events into motion. If Vault 101 was truly intended to stay closed forever, its failure was inevitable. The only question was how long and what form of change or disaster would take. Many other vaults were abandoned because of unlivable conditions or saw the residents driven violently insane by the procedures inflicted on them. Some of these continue to pose a hazard to the unwary who wander in from the outside looking for loot or a place of safety. Out of all the vaults, only the control vaults were a success, with all experimental vaults failing in one way or another. There are, however, exceptions. Vault 101, while an experimental vault technically failed as it was never meant to open, uh, Vault 3 is another exception as technically a control vault it failed as all the residents were massacred by the fiends uh which is a group of raiders vault 81 is the last exception as its experiment was sabotaged from the start by the overseer so it instead acted like a control vault so there's like weird human element that fucked some shit up despite all of this the experiment may be considered a success in terms of the data collected Data that was much more important to the vault tech and Enclave scientists than a few hundred thousand lives, most of whom would have died anyway if not for the vaults. However, it is unknown if this data was recovered or used, as there is no reference in the Fallout universe of the Enclave receiving or collecting the data or vault tech existing in the post-war world. Okay. Now we're going to talk about some of the different vaults and their experiments. The first is uh, one we already mentioned, which is the LA Vault. There was no experiment with this one as it was the demonstration vault, but would later become the personal vault of the master 
which meant it was full of FEV super mutants. Um, we'll get into that at some point too, but FEV is a whole fucking thing. Think mutation, except they started experimenting with it before the bombs dropped. FEV created super mutants. FEV created death claws. FEV created a bunch of things, and death claws were used in war. <laughs> like, isn't that terrifying? Yeah. Um, what the fuck. Yeah, death claws existed before the bombs dropped. Damn. They they weren't like a result of the radiation. They just got out. Um, they I don't think they were ever actually used in war, but they were bred for it. Uh, it's a it's a whole thing. Forced evolution, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a bitch. Yeah. The first actual experiment vault we'll talk about is Vault 11 in the Mojave. The vault was a social experiment testing human nature, most specifically the ability to sacrifice oneself for others and the ability to place ideals above one's own life. After the vault doors were closed, it was revealed to the residents that they were required to sacrifice one person each year. Eventually, an overseer made the selection process random instead of a vote, and a huge riot ensued. The survivors decided to face the punishment of not selecting a person to sacrifice. Death. However, they were merely congratulated for not killing anybody. All except one person committed suicide. Oops. Like, like I said, these go from really dark to really meme real fast. <laughs> or vice versa. Vault 12 in California was designed to have a door that didn't close properly, which allowed radiation to leak in. This one led to most of the populace becoming ghouls, the name of humans that were irradiated to the point of immortality and physically decay resembling zombies. They founded Necropolis, a city for ghouls, around this vault. Vault 21 in Las Vegas, or New Vegas, was designed around gambling, unsurprisingly. The vault's purpose was gambling, uh, reinforced by having only compulsive gamblers admitted as vault residents and with all conflicts within the vault to be resolved through gambling. It is one of the few non-control vaults that didn't end in failure. Uh, when opened, its residents successfully integrated into the societies around them, and the lower levels of the vault were collapsed by Robert House, who uh, is kind of the de facto leader of New Vegas. Vault 22, also in the Mojave, was designed to develop advanced agricultural technologies. Successful experiments were executed, creating strains of plants that could grow under artificial light, However, an experiment on pest control involving a genetically manufactured spore annihilated and transformed the vault's inhabitants into plant men-slash-monsters. Uh, vault 34, located east of Vegas, had an armory that was overstocked with weapons and ammunition and not provided with a lock. The Boomers, the weapon-crazy inhabitants of Nellis Air Force Base, descend from the inhabitants of this vault. I want you to read this next one. I know it's really short, but you'll appreciate it. Um, <laughs> he, he read it and already started laughing. Vault 43 was populated by 20 men, 10 women, and a panther. That's it. That's all the information we have on this cannon vault. <laughs> like I said, half of them are means, half of them are really creepy and scary. But the fact that there's a vault in the Fallout universe, that's canon, but just threw a panther into the mix is something else. It sounds like our D&D &D party. Pretty much. <laughs> so Vault 68 and 69 were counterparts to each other. See, this is where it gets creepy. Vault 68 and 69 were counterparts to each other. 68 was populated by 999 men and one woman. And uh, 69 was populated by 999 women and one man. So, yeah. Damn. 
Yep. That probably went about as well as I expected. I'm not sure why they didn't need to do this one. That's not okay. I'm not happy about this. Vault 75 in Massachusetts had the purpose of refinement of human genetics. Excluding vault staff, all residents were under the age of 18 at the time of vault activation. Parents were quietly separated from their children and later executed by vault security. The children were subjugated to various methods of torture and harsh tests by vault staff, with the hope of making them capable of surviving the wastes. The experiment went well for several generations, but the archives were destroyed and most, if not all, of the progress made was lost. As of 2287, the vault is occupied by gunners. Oh, it's another raid group. I, I thought it might have some lore implications, so I put it in. But, yeah. Vault 76 in West Virginia, which, interestingly enough, is the reason we're doing this podcast. Um, because Fallout 76. So, Vault 76 in West Virginia was designed as a control group for the vault experiment, like Vault 3 and Vault 8, but had a number of unique characteristics. It was exclusively populated by only the best and brightest of America's citizens. It was opened after 25 years to allow its residents to recolonize the surface rather than the 20 years mandated for other control vaults. And its overseer was under secret orders to secure three nearby nuclear missile silos for vault tech at all costs. The vault itself was also designed to cease functioning and become inhospitable 24 hours after opening to prevent its residents from becoming dependent on it. Vault 76 was unveiled by Vault Tech in 2076 in celebration of the United States Tercentenary. That, that's, that's the game. Congratulations! Oh man, <laughs> you <had> that <laughs> again! Vault 77 was populated by one man in a crate full of puppets. The lone inhabitant of the vault went insane from lack of human contact and eventually abandoned the vault after murdering one of the puppets. This is the one that uh, Penny Arcade did. That's why I put it in there. Sorry, I should have wrote that down. Um, this was the webcomic Penny Arcade did. And um, he uh, ended up wandering the wastes with a puppet and talking to the puppet. It's an entire thing on Penny Arcade. Brilliant if you read it. That's apparently canon. So no, I don't fucking, fucking know. Great. Vault 81, uh, and we're not diving into all the vaults. Uh, there's so many of them that have lore. Uh, we're just diving into some of the fun or more interesting ones. Uh, Vault 81 in Boston, Massachusetts was intended to develop a single cure for all human diseases through testing on unaware human subjects. The vault had two sections. The residents lived in one section while vault tech scientists secretly observed them and worked in another. Unexpectedly, the original overseer disabled the equipment the scientists were to use to expose the residents to disease. As of 2287, the vault residents are alive and well, and regularly trade with the outside world. Vault 95 in Mass was populated solely with drug addicts, with the exception of a single vault tech employee undercover. The vault residents would elect an overseer regularly and hold therapy sessions as part of a rehab program. The rehab proved to be a success. Five years after the vault was sealed, a hidden stash of drugs was unlocked. Within a few days, all the vault residents but one fell back into addiction or killed each other. As of 2287, the vault is occupied by the gunners. This is absolute, this is the next one we talk about is my absolute favorite vault in the Fallout universe, and I, I think a lot of people will resonate with it. Uh, you, you physically go there in Fallout 3, and they got a little nod to it in Fallout 4. So Vault 108 in the Capital Wasteland was intended to test conflicts in leadership, 
The vault overseer was expected to die of cancer after 40 months. In addition, the vault had a power supply that was to malfunction after 240 months, an insufficient backup, an overstocked armory, and absolutely no entertainment tapes. The vault also housed a cloning lab, and all surviving residents are clones of one man named Gary. All they can say is the name Gary and attack on site. That's great. So when you go into the vault, there's a bunch of people who look alike that are just going, Gary, and just trying to kill you. And like every now and then in Fallout 3, you'll like find them in the wasteland. You'll just be attacked by someone wearing a 108 jumpsuit, just yelling, Gary. And there's someone in Fallout 4, I believe, wearing a 108 jumpsuit that um, you, you find the corpse of uh, that looks like Gary. That's great. So they got all the way there. Yeah. Like they went from Washington to Boston, but like the Gary clones are still out there, kids. Never forget. It, it's there. so jarring and so hilarious at the same time. Dude, it sounds it. So finally, we have Vault 112 in the Capital Wastelands. Uh, it put all residents in suspended animation and connected them to a virtual reality simulator where they, where they all played VR chat. Where they, thought they, yeah, where they thought they would live a perfect virtual life indefinitely. If you don't think VR chat's a perfect virtual life, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the way? Unfortunately, Dr. Brown held absolute control of the simulation and used it to torture the residents for his own pleasure. Yeah, it was, um, the, if you remember Fallout 3, you'll remember this vault because it was pivotal to the story. Um, but yeah, that, that's some of the many vaults in the Fallout universe because there's a lot. Yeah, the vaults are a weird kind of anomaly in Fallout. It really shows that Fallout is both dark and depressing and meme at the same time. Like, the Fallout universe can be fucking hilarious, and it can also be dark as hell. So, and it, like, remains standard across the games. But, yeah, that's, that's what I, I got mean, on. yeah, it sounds very Bethesda-y. Yeah. Both funny and dark at the same time. Yeah. It's the kind of apocalypse I dream of. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's what we got for Vaults. Uh, as we like to end every episode... Nick, what have you been playing? Playing some Dark Souls. Where you at? Um, so I rang the second bell. I beat the beat the 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 spider. Quaylog. Yep, beat Quaylog. And um, so I rang the second bell, and then I was like, "Where do I want to go? Do I want to go to Sand's Fortress? Or do I want to go to the Valley of the Drakes?" Um, so I like, kind of stepped in Sand's Fortress and was like, "This is." Aggressive. This is aggressive. Let me, <laughs> let me uh, reconsider this. And I was like, let me go to the Valley of the Drakes. And I was like, these fucking things take fucking forever to kill. Um, so that's pretty much where I was. I, I did something in between. I went and got like, I powered up one of, I powered up my long sword a bunch so I could stop using the Drake sword. And I grabbed the claymore on the bridge in nice. case I wanted to use that. Yeah, I've used that. Um, but that was that was basically it. Um, I try to like, like help people like do boss fights. Like I sat outside the bell gargoyle for a bit, but like I didn't get summoned. So I was like, this is fucking boring. And yeah. It's a, it's a, the, the online for dark souls for switch is really weird. Like there's a bunch of summons in front of moonlit butterfly. Is there? Yeah. Which like the, is, the, is a piss oh, easy I, boss. That's, yeah. I was, that's <laughs> the, I bought, I fought that 
Which moon- after the after Quaylog. Yeah, oh, which, yeah, well, that was piss easy. Oh, I, I just threw fire at I it. I don't know why people struggle with the moonlit butterfly. I, I just stocked up on arrows and I just shot it with arrows until it fucking fell. Oh, uh, I have like plus five pyromancy flame. Like what most what you're supposed to do is wait for it to like land yeah, and then yeah, just pack at it. Yeah, I did that a bit. But, but I was I like, mostly Fuck you. I mostly just threw fireballs at it. Which speaking of pyromancy, so I was grinding before I fought Quaylog, I was grinding in uh Blight Town on the ground. With the fucking giant things that throw rocks. Yeah. So, fucking one of them threw a rock and it hit what's-her-face that's sitting right there. No! And, like, pushed her into the into the poison. So she's sitting there taking poison damage and then starts throwing fire at me. I was like, fuck, now I have to kill you. Yeah. So I killed her. Well, um, you don't... Okay. You don't have to kill her, then. There is a way to... Uh, resolve yourself of your sins. Oh. Oh, you gotta talk to that guy? Yeah. Oh. But, like, you also gotta do it, like, later in the game. Oh. So it wouldn't have been super helpful anyway. Hey, I already killed her. Yeah, and it's Dark Souls, so fuck it. You and know? I, that, I rescued that guy from that barrel, so now he sells me pyromancy shit. Yeah, he's the, py- he's the better pyromancy salesman. And I told him not to go fucking to the Blight Town. So yeah. So he won't turn hollow. Yeah, smart. Uh, but yeah, because I was like... I was like, I was so mad because like I didn't even hear the guy hit her, and I was like, what the fuck? I wanted to upgrade my flame more, but then I remembered I found that guy in the barrel, so yeah. I upgraded my flame more. But yeah, that's the stuff I did. I did a bunch of that, and it's uh, pretty much it. I'm trying to think of like what the fuck's been happening in Pokemon. Not really. We had the Gengar raids this. Uh, oh yeah, we had the we had the Gengar raids. The Gengar raids, which you got a shiny and I didn't. Then, <laughs> fuck you. And then immediately after, there was an event where there was shiny Rapidash and Cubones, uh, and I got a two. I got a what Ponyta and Cubones, so I got two Ponytas. I didn't get a Cubone. I didn't either. And which is fine. Rapidash is the cooler looking one, anyway. Yeah, Rapidash is definitely the cooler looking one, and Shiny Marowak doesn't look that good. So yeah, um, even though there was Shiny Alolan Marowaks, but I didn't get again, to they're that. they're just slightly different. Yeah, it's one of those shinies. Um, and then we got we got Badoo. We got yeah, we got Ninkatas. Well, this month we got Chinidja for the special Ninkatas in a research quest. And uh, Badoo is now in five eggs, and Buizel is in one-star raids, and apparently very, very, very rare in the wild. Really? Yeah, because I've seen, I don't know if it was, like, when it first came out and it was, like, a bug, but, like, I've seen screenshots of, like, people seeing it in the wild, but I know it's in one-star raids. Not that I've seen one. Um, (laughs) Right. And uh, they put a bunch of babies in the... seven eggs which are the eggs you from your friends so if you're missing any of the babies the seven eggs are useful again because yeah. at this point everybody has all the fucking alolans and nobody gives a shit anymore i uh even finally got a vulpix so um as for me i've been playing two games kind of back and forth uh, the first one i want to talk about is diablo 3 uh diablo 3 came out for switch so i picked it up again i've been playing diablo 3 since launch I was in the closed beta for Diablo 3, actually. I, I'm a big fan. Um, Diablo is one of those games that I have really good memories of because I used to play Diablo 2 with my dad. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Diablo 3. Uh, I never played a Necromancer, so I just ran through a campaign as a Necromancer. Uh, I couldn't stand it. 
Um, it was kind of cool having an army of uh, like the undead, but like the he doesn't do any good damage output in my opinion. Like he, your pets do, but like you don't. Right. So I'm just like, oh, okay, that was fun for what it was. It was kind of cool. It makes me want to play one in D and D. Makes me want to like roll a necromancer in D and D because I feel like I'd be able to do it a lot better in D and D. But um, so now I uh, just started a seasons campaign uh, with a, a wizard, so I can just run through as a wizard real quick. My best classes in that game are probably crusaders or wizards, so I'll just run through as a wizard because I know exactly how to build a wizard. Uh, the other game I've been playing is Call of Cthulhu. Um, which should surprise no one if you've ever listened to this podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lovecraftian horror, like a massive fan of Lovecraftian horror. Uh, I have a love. I have one bumper sticker on my car. I don't like bumper stickers. I don't. But I got one on my car. It's in my window. It's an I am Providence bumper sticker because I'm that big of a fan. Um, so Call of Cthulhu is based on the tabletop RPG, not necessarily like Lovecraft's writings directly. But regardless, uh, it, it's pretty good. It, it, it's not the best game ever. Um, it, it has its flaws, definitely. It's very, it's set up like a tabletop RPG as far as like leveling things up, and the actual gameplay of it is mostly just investigating with like weirdly throwing in sections that don't make any sense. Um, the game also doesn't do a very good job explaining things to you. Um, so I'm going to explain a part of the game to you because it's the only reason I beat this part of the game. Um, if you listen to Jim Sterling, he does a review of Call of Cthulhu and he explains this part of the game for the exact same reason I'm going to. The game doesn't do a good job of explaining it, so I will. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you will when you get there. When you're fighting the Shambler in the art gallery, you have to break the cases with the knives in it and go stab the painting. You're not going to know what any of that means until you're there. But once you're there, you'll know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. You have to get the right knife, though. I'm not going to tell you which knife is the proper knife to use, but you have to break the cases with the different kinds of knives in it and go stab the painting of the Shambler. There you go. So Pro tips. Pro tips, because the game doesn't tell you that. And I would have never found that out. I was trying so many different things, I got really frustrated and he stopped playing. Because the game just kind of failed to tell you that. It's not a bad game at all. I'm losing my shit right now because of the part I'm at. I'm at a part. Uh, I just finished the Nameless Bookstore, which had a bunch of Lovecraft references. And they're talking like, oh, there's this book in this vault that's like bound in human skin. I'm like, oh my God, am I going to get to look at a Necronomicon? I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get to look at a Necronomicon. I was so hyped the entire time. Um, but yeah, it's... If you're a big fan of Lovecraftian horror, you're going to like this game. I personally am looking forward to The Sunken City more, which is a game that is based on Shadow Over Innsmouth. Um, not the tabletop RPG as much, but it's based on Shadow Over Innsmouth. It's an another Lovecraftian horror game coming out this year. Uh, so I'm looking more forward to that personally, but Call of Cthulhu is a great holdover, and in my opinion, better than the Call of Cthulhu game Bethesda put out in the early 2000s. So I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's another game that's called Call of Cthulhu, but it barely has anything to do with Cthulhu. Oh, good. Um, it's based on Shadow Over End's Mouth because that one's a lot easier to transfer into a video game. Um, Call of Cthulhu as a story isn't, although 
this one is called that based on the tabletop game. This seems like someone's tabletop campaign, like someone's like homemade tabletop campaign, transferred into a video game, which I'm fucking fine with. I'm perfectly okay with that because you are putting in a lot of original elements, like the Shambler isn't something that has showed up in Lovecraft really before. I think there's references to it, maybe. But um, but then there's like certain parts where like there was a dream sequence and an eye opened up and it was an octopus's eye and I was like, holy shit, that's Cthulhu! I was Look, just, there he is. Yeah, there's the guy. There he is. The uh, so I'm really I'm really liking it as a fan of the source material. Um, so if you are at all interested in Lovecraftian cosmic horror, I say check it out. It's worth checking out. You'll you'll like it for what it is. It's it's I feel like about this game like I feel about the Deadpool game. Like if you like Deadpool, you'll like the Deadpool game a lot. Yeah. It's, it's not gonna change the gaming world. It's not the best game in the world. Yeah. But if you like Deadpool, you'll like the Deadpool game. Yeah. That's what I feel about this. If you like Lovecraftian horror, you'll like this game. This game was made for you. There you go. So um I don't think it's worth the sixty dollar price tag. Yeah, maybe wait for a sale. Wait for a sale. I don't think it's worth the sixty dollar price tag. I say I spent that money to save you from spending it. But um, you're welcome. You're welcome. But I, uh, but uh, I I don't regret spending it. Uh, I just don't think it's worth that price tag. I mean, I, this game's a forty dollar game. So, uh, other than that, we didn't have D and D this week. Uh, there was a personal issue with one of our players, and we just called it. Um. So we don't have anything on that front. So we can do a question. Since we didn't play D&D and we don't have things to talk about. Oh, I do like our questions. So the question is, uh, which do you prefer? A game with great story but poor gameplay? Uh, example given was Until Dawn, which is mostly quick time. Or poor story but great, but great gameplay? Example, Mario. Uh, personally, I don't, mm, I, I like a good happy middle, but if I were to choose one between the ones that you offered me, I'd probably pick story over gameplay. At the end of the day, everything I do in life is because I care about stories. Like every, literally everything I like, all of my interests are because I like the story. So yeah, I would always pick story over gameplay. That's, I mean, I've watched Let's Plays just because I wanted to see the story for games I didn't feel like playing. I watched a Detroit Human Let's Play because I went, I'm never going to play this game, but I'm curious. Yeah, see, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's why Metroidvanias don't resonate with me very hard. There's nothing in it that I care about. That's true. I don't know. See, I, I yeah, I, obviously Happy Medium would be amazing, but... I don't know. See, like, I feel like if you're like, what do you want to play until dawn or, or Mario? I feel like I'd pick Mario. Um, but I do love a great story. I just don't know which one I would pick more times than not between uh, the two. Yeah. I mean, I'd always pick story. I, I just care so much about the story over anything else. That's why I also bum rush through games like, like God of War. You did all the side quests immediately. And I went, nope, give me the story. I'll do the side quest later. Give me the story. The thing with God of War was you got a lot of story uh, with the side quests. Which uh, I found out after the fact. Between, like, just the side quests themselves, and you just spent more time in the boat with Mimir talking, and Mimir was just a lore uh, expository. Like I said, 
Listen to the uh, God of War audiobook uh, narrated by Mamir. It's worth it. Audible.com. Fuck. Um, I feel like I'd probably pick gameplay just based on stuff like 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 you said like I, I mean I'm not super huge on Metroidvanias but Hollow Knight's one of my favorite games. I know Hollow Knight has lore to it but it's not overly obvious um, and neither is stuff like Dark Souls but Dark Souls has a lot of story to it. It's just like not obvious but like a normal person would just pick it up and for the gameplay. For me I got every item in the game so I could read it. <laughs> like it's Right. So I think uh, while I do love, love stories, uh, I think I'd rather play something with good gameplay than bad gameplay. Um, like I didn't, I love, I really like Until Dawn, but like I didn't play it. I watched people play it. Like I watched Let's Plays and then I watched my friends play it. But I 100% in Mario Odyssey and I loved every fucking second of it. And that yeah. game has barely any story so i guess i guess more times than not i would pick gameplay but i love i do love a really good story and when you get a happy medium uh of the two it's really really good yeah i mean obviously a happy medium would be ideal like the witcher yeah yeah but um yeah I'd, i'll pick story over gameplay any day i'll take a quick time game i've played azura's wrath so i uh which that game is just exclusively quick times. At least until dawn, you can walk around sometimes. Um, but yeah, I would, I would almost always pick story. Even Splatoon, like I played the story mode, like right away. I mean, yeah, I did too, but I didn't really care. Now, about now it. I just play Splatoon online, but like <laughs> I, I, I wasn't like it. super into it. Like but. at the end of the Octo expansion, when uh the character from the first game shows up. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, I mean, shit. yeah, that was fucking dope. Yeah. I, lo- I, I just care about that stuff way more. Um, but yeah, uh, again, always ask us questions. We will answer them on our podcast. Yeah, don't be afraid. We do bite, but in a sexy way. Yeah, in a nice, in a nice way. Check us out on social media. Speaking of, on Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, at Navi underscore Tales. Uh, send us pictures of your questions. Just, like, write it out on paper and snap it. Yeah, write it. Just write it anywhere and just, like, send it to us. Yeah, like, just anywhere. Like, bathroom stalls. Like, remember that time when we were at Sears when it was closing and we wrote our (laughs) podcast name on the fridge? (laughs) Yeah. Because it was one of those, like, Samsung fridges that you can, like, write on. Like, it has, like, a touch screen and you can write on it. If you fucking put a question on one of those and... I don't care. Let me tell you, there's a lot of times in life I look back at the front of that Sears building that said oh what did it say I have oh, it on fuck. Instagram Hold you're on. right it's my favorite thing in the fucking world it was like now closing we're hiring something like that yeah it was like there was a a sign that said like final day sale or whatever the fuck and then next to it was a sign that said now hiring oh yeah store I have it right here there was a massive sign that said store closing and below it it said now hiring and I was like I don't think that's good job security <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't think <laughs> oh my god but um uh yeah that was that was a time that was a weird that was a weird date we went on yeah we fucking went to a Sears that was closing down had absolutely it, nothing in it it closed in two days and we were just walking around looking at this abandoned store yeah like 70 
80% empty store. And we were just playing with mannequins. Like. Yeah, because there was just a section that was just full of mannequin, like, naked mannequins. Yeah, and then... That I, you could buy. And then I just got a picture of Nip... Nick... Nip. I just got a picture of Nick looking like I'm a champ, like... Yeah, because I picked up mannequin arms. <laughs> yeah, because you could you buy separate pieces of mannequins. Like, I was, like, holding a foot. I was like, this is weird. This is a weird thing. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? The weirdest part of that whole time was when there was, uh, we, like, got to a group of mannequins that had bags over their heads. Like, these giant, like, trash bags over their heads. And I was like, they look like they're in, like, body bags. And I was like, this is, like, creepy. Yeah. I loved it. But, yeah, so, uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Later. Not time for fridges, cause we are recording later than usual. Sorry, I was like not ready. <laughs> you you were like not, well, you're right. I kind of dove right into it because I was singing. Yeah. It's all good. Was not bad. I thought we were just doing a bit. I did not realize we were doing a bit into the. Into it worked it. really well, which is why I no, wanted to do it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine with it. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I was not prepared. By 2063, most of the vaults had finished construction with the exceptions of 13, 76, 114, 118, 88. Oh, and 88. Fuck. I'll just read that because I'm about to have heartburn too. This is where we get feet and Taco Bell. Yeah, this boy. is not. That was that was poor decision making on our behalf. It was good. So it's been said that the secret exp that <laughs> Vault Tech seems to have constructed some vaults in Canada, and a letter sent to a rejected DC, uh, and a letter sent to a rejected. That was my foot. You stepped on my foot, and now you're playing footsies with me. Are your feet as soft as your hands? You have really soft hands. <laughs> I don't. I doubt it. Um, you do have soft hands. <laughs> no, I know. Like, like. Granted, we work in very different professions, but I, uh, my hands are like rocks. Your hands are like just these really soft ones, They're really smooth. They're like a baby's bottom. Yeah, that's that's how they were made. They were made from. They were chiseled from a baby's bottom. <laughs> my my hands are baby asses. <laughs> Dear God and undertaken at the behest of the future Enclave as part of a massive feasible... Despite all of this, the experiment may be considered a success. Fuck me. Despite... Okay. <clears throat> all right. The experiment went well for seven gen... What up? Anyways. It's the heat. I know. Do you want me to freeze in my own home? Yes. For the sake of the recording. Stop polluting my audio with your fucking... Stop polluting my audio with your fucking homeostasis bullshit.